Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, hey G-Man. Chad, this one is, this episode is one where we've had it marked as a must-have guest since the beginning of our podcast. Um, we're talking about Jamie Beckler. Um, yes. I ran into Jamie Beckler back in 2017, I believe at Camp Elevate with Celia Slater, and we've had a lot of guests with that kind of connection as well. Um, but I started following Jamie's work since then, and, and he's put out great books. He, he has a podcast now, um, but he used to be a college coach in all levels, all division, men and women. And now he's a John Maxwell leadership coach. He's an author, like I said, a podcast host, and a professional speaker, and he gets to be a consultant to pro and college teams. Chad, I think this is a great guest for us to have on this podcast. Yeah, this was uh, excellent. Um, I enjoyed this so, so much. I think our listeners are gonna really benefit from hearing um, Jamie's thoughts on what is present when um, for a high, high achieving team. Yeah. And uh, and he also mentions a little bit about how we can build a player driven culture, not a coach driven culture. Um, and he shares a little bit of the some the same um, commonalities of uh, champions and championship teams because he's been around it for so uh, for so long now. And we do talk about his three books that he wrote. Um, coach, this is a great conversation with Jamie Beckler, and we can't wait for you to hear it right now. Jamie Beckler, thank you so much for coming to the uh, Christian Coach Podcast. We like to start every interview with our power question, and that is, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Yeah, I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, uh, you guys are doing good work with the show and, and interviewing lots of great guests, so I appreciate you having me. Uh, you know, when I was coaching, because I've, I've been out of coaching now for a couple years, when I was coaching, I always tried to be a Christian coach. I, I didn't, I didn't just, you know, when I was, I coached at two different types of schools. I coached at, at Christian schools and non-Christian schools. And when I was a, at a Christian school, I didn't just want to be a basketball coach at a Christian school. I wanted to be a Christian coach at a Christian school. And then when I was at a non-Christian school, I wanted the players on my team to understand that there was something different about me and the, what was different about me was my faith in Christ. And yeah. uh, I wasn't going to pound them over a head uh, and be an evangelist, uh, you know, an open uh, uh, where, where always everything was about, well, we didn't make this, we, we had this turnover because uh, you're not a Christian or yeah. you missed that shot because, or, you know, Hey, you went to church with me on Sunday. So that's why good things are happening to you. <laughs> I didn't want to be hitting them with that kind of stuff. But I did want them to know that, hey, there's something different about me and we're going to try to treat you uh, in a different way than maybe other coaches have. And, and uh, now, unfortunately, I'm not perfect. And so uh, yeah. uh, most Christian coaches listening to this uh, would understand that as well. They're not perfect as well. And uh, but but you just tried to to live the principles of your faith and live out what what Christ would have wanted, you know, how he would have wanted you to treat players. You know, he wasn't a basketball coach back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But if he was a basketball coach, <laughs> you know, I don't think he would have berated people. And I don't, I think he would have been patient with people. And I think he would have um, 
tried to meet people where they were at, wherever they were at as a college student. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, you know, you as a college coach, me as a former college coach, that's who we mainly dealt with. But, uh, you know, hey, what's important to you? Where are you where are you at in your life and and meet them where they're at? Because at the end of the day, you're never going to convert somebody or, or you know, so to speak, you're never yeah. going to bring somebody to Christ if they don't know, like, and trust you to begin with. And so as a Christian, you know, you've got to be somebody that they respect and, and somebody that they like as a coach. Um, and if you're a jerk, then they're never, they're, they're going to see Christ as a jerk. You know, they're going to see, you, you might be, it's, this is kind of a cliche, but you might be the only Bible that some of your athletes will ever see or read. And so what, what is the Bible that you're putting out there? Yeah. So uh, that might be a little long winded answer. No, no, but, that's uh, great. It's kind of um, how we, I look at it. Yeah, a lot, a lot of coaches talk about the aroma of Christ. You know, having that where where you pass by, people notice and people are aware, and they're like, "Oh, there's something different about this guy than the rest." Um, and I agree, I agree. It's all about meeting their needs first, and then opening up and and showing that you care, and then they will open up to you, and and then you can, you know, share the transforming message of Christ. Um, give us a little bit about your background. You've talked about now you're not coaching anymore how did you start with sports and take us all the way to now yeah yeah uh, appreciate that you know i grew up playing all the sports in fact uh, g you would be uh, interested to know my very first sport i ever learned was tennis okay my mom taught me tennis uh that was the very first sport i ever learned uh it was the very first sport i thought i might be able to turn pro in and and by the by i mean by you know throughout my childhood, I think there was like 12 sports that I was going to turn pro in at some point, but tennis was the first one that I was going to be a professional athlete. When I got into high school, I may or may not have had about five pairs of, uh, jean shorts, like Andre (laughs) Agassi. Agassi. Yeah. So that I could wear a different pair every day. I may or may not, I cannot confirm those rumors, but, uh, yeah, I loved, I loved tennis growing up. But, uh, you know, eventually I, be, you know, I played tennis, number one player on my, on, my, uh, on my team in high school, but I was mainly a basketball guy. Um, and when I went to college, I played basketball. I also played a little football and a little track as well while I was at college. And, uh, uh, and then I went into coaching and coached for about 20 years, both at the men and the women's level, Division One, Two, Three, and NAIA. I mainly was a uh, women's coach women's head coach. And then I got out of coaching, went into athletic direct, became an athletic director at a school in Indiana, fifth largest high school gym in the world, uh, seated over 7,000. Nobody won more boys basketball titles than the school I was at. So I was there a couple of years. And then four years ago, I decided, you know what, we're going to uh, move out of organized athletics and go into uh, leadership development, leadership consulting and start my own business. And so for the last few years, I host a podcast. I go across the country speaking uh, to different teams, working with teams, uh, you know, from the NBA level down to high school level um, and uh, written a couple books. So we just try to help athletes become better teammates and more positive leaders, help help coaches develop stronger cultures and and try to kind of give back and, and use some of the lessons that I learned as a coach. In some of the lessons I'm still learning as I work with other teams, you know, if, yeah. if I work with Liberty tennis and, and I, I have something, 
you know, we learn something together or we work through something, then maybe that's something I can then share with some other team in the future that we work with. So I'm always trying to learn as well. It's not just, yeah. well, back in my day in 1992, <laughs> this is how we did things. And so you need to do it like this. You know, you always yeah. want to constantly be evolving. And, uh, and uh, so it's, it's been fun. I'm not in organized athletics anymore, but I get to work with teams all the time. And so that, that's been fun. That's great. Um, you mentioned that you've coached both men and women. What are some of the commonalities um, between coaching both teams as well as some of the differences? Because we have a lot of coaches, um, some high school coaches, some college coaches who coach both teams at the same time. And we're always trying to serve them and give them some insight. Well, I'm, I'm not going to give you a very good answer on this. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> When I got married years and years and years ago, I think it was my in-laws that gave me a book called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. And I think that, you know, way back in the day, you know, two decades ago, uh, there was a lot more difference between men and women in terms of maybe the mentality. Uh, certainly, there's always going to be some athletic differences uh, be between the two. But, um, you know, what I found, and this is where the answer is not going to be as great as what you're looking for, is I found like even when I coached a men's team, 15 players on a men's team, they all weren't all they weren't all the same. And even if they came from the same high school, even if they were roommates, even if they seemed to have everything in common, they were different. Their personalities were different. There was something about everybody that was different. And so you had to treat all 15 of those a little bit different. And you had to find out what makes each of them tick and what motivates each of them. Uh, and the same when I coached women, uh, you, they're all going to be different. And so to, I, I don't, want to do a disservice by saying, well, men are one way and women are another way, because I, I think that that becomes a crutch sometimes for us as leaders and coaches is that we say, well, I'm coaching women, so I need to treat them this way. And it's like, yeah, that might be true, like in a blanket general statement, but you have 15 young ladies or 15 people on your team that all need something different, all have different wants, desires, goals, fears. And so when you, when you kind of paint with a, a, a broad brush, you kind of lose out on that individualness that those players need. And so that's not necessarily the best answer in the world, but I do. No, think it's, it's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, th well, thank you. <laughs> but, but I, I think it's very important for us as coaches to realize that every single player is, is different. Um, and we need to, we need to be diving into their lives a little bit more to figure yeah. out what makes them tick. And, and, um, everybody wants some attention. Everyone wants to feel appreciated. Everybody wants, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so we've got to figure out what each of our players want and, and yeah. what's best for them. And so, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, certainly as a basketball coach. So, so when I went from being a men's basketball coach to a women's basketball coach, um, I'll just give you two things. One is I had to scrap a whole lot of the plays that I ran because first of all, women can't dunk or the women that I was coaching can't dunk. Yeah. And the men that I was coaching could go from one end line to the other end line a whole lot quicker. And so you had to adjust the timing on yeah. so many of your plays. Uh, so for physically, I had to make some adjustments, but uh, I will tell you my first team I ever coached it was, it was probably the second week of practice, third week of practice and practice got done. We get in our huddle and I'm like, all right, ladies, 
I'm going to give you five minutes and then come back out here because the photographer's coming in and we're going to take pictures for the yearbook. <laughs> you would have thought that I used every curse word and talked about their mama or whatever. That was the worst thing I could have ever done. And I'm like, what, what? And they're like, what do you mean? We're taking a picture right now. You got to give After us time. Practice, I'm like, are you crazy? Yeah. yeah. They're like, you got to give us time. And I'm like, well, how much more time do you need? A half an hour? What? They're like, no, like tomorrow. <laughs> you know, with guys, it's like, dude, we're all going to share the same tie for individual <laughs> pictures. We're going to yeah. pass around the tie and we're just going to tighten it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, everybody in the picture will have the same tie. And yeah, let's do this in five minutes and let's get out of here. This is yeah. keeping us from getting to video <laughs> games or something. So I will paint with a broad brush about that is yeah. that I didn't understand some of the things. And, yeah. and one of them was picture day. Yeah. Yeah. One um, we, we've instituted here. Uh, picture day is basically an off day. That's, that's all it is on the calendar is picture day, go out and just take as much time as you need, but we're not expecting you to be at practice that day. Yeah. Uh, and have fun with it. Ha, yes. You know, and that's still, I, you know, as I got more experienced as a coach, I would let my assistant handle picture day because I didn't want to be around for all the goofy pictures that the players were going to do. So yeah, if you want, if you want one difference, I think the female teams I coached were a little more goofy with their picture days. <laughs> it took them seriously where the guys, it was just like, dude, this is just, uh, do we have to do this stupid stuff? Yeah. You know, yeah. So, <laughs> that, and that's painting with a broad brush. Yes, once again, it is. But. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I understand that I can relate. Um, I tell, I tell my girls that the most stressful day of my job is first day of practice when we hand out new gear because I know that I'll be exchanges every time. And, and so I've been pawning that off on equipment managers, grad assistants as much as I can so that I, I don't feel too much heartburn on that day. Because <laughs> uh, guys, I used to get recycled shirts from guys who just graduated. You know, they're still their names or sweat stains on it. And it was just like, okay, it is what it is. You know, this, this is what I get. Um, but, but yeah, but I, I agree. Um, you, you've been around incredible uh, programs, working with and coaching it yourself. What are some of those com um, commonalities of the champions that you've been around? Yeah, from a team standpoint, I, I would say with, without a doubt, the best teams, you know, we, we say this a lot, great teams have great teammates. And the best teams are going to have great teammates. And now most people will be like, well, shouldn't the best teams have talent? Yeah, to a degree. You, you you certainly want talent. You know, you as a tennis coach, you can't have somebody that that's never picked up a, a tennis racket before and expect them to play at Division One just because they're an awesome teammate and leader. You know, they might be a great manager, but they're not going to be a great player for you. Um, so great teams have great teammates, but the talent is like a baseline. Yeah, you got to have some talent. But we've seen plenty of team, especially in team sports. In team sports, especially, you see lots of teams win games during the regular season. And then during the playoffs, they always fall a little short because they don't have that chemistry. They don't have a shared um, common bond or common goals. Now, you can get away with it a little bit more in, in, a, in a sport like tennis uh, or a sport like golf or track and field or one of those sports where it's, a, it's they keep team sport. It is a team, yeah. but it's also individual. You know, yeah. if, if G is not a very good teammate, but he's an amazing tennis player, he can still help our team by winning every match. Yeah. Now, can he raise the level of his teammates to help them win other matches? That's the question. 
So G's doing all he can, you know, but he's not helping the team because yeah. he's only worried about himself. So there, there's always that teammate aspect to whatever you're doing. And so I think the best teams I've seen have strong cultures because they have great teammates. They have positive leaders, people that are, uh, uh, you know, verbal leaders, people that are doing what they're supposed to do, taking care of their business. So lead by example, lead verbally. And, and I would say every single player. So every coach listening to this right now, every one of your athletes can be a verbal leader. Now that is different than what most people think. Most people, because most people think of verbal leadership as, you know, this Hollywood esque thing where someone's up on a horse and they get thousands of people to follow them in the battle or, you know, the rah, rah leader. Yeah. Verbal, Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson yeah, with a Mel Gibson. with a blue face. Yes. Mel Gibson, <laughs> uh, you know, Braveheart gladiator, uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Tom Brady, uh, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, uh, Tim Tebow, you know, those kind of guys that lead, a whole group of people, but verbal leadership is you and I as freshmen in the back of the bus, you and I just saying, Hey, you want to go uh, hit some balls? You want to go to the weight room? Okay. Yeah, sure. Verbal leadership. There's three ways you can be. Anyone can be a verbal leader, anybody on your team from the worst player to the best player, to the freshman, to the senior, you can be a verbal leader by informing people. Hey, G, coach said that we're going to meet in the locker room today instead of the weight room. Oh, okay. Well, you just help the team by informing them. So you verbally inform them. Secondly, encourage. You encourage them. And that's where a lot of leadership happens in a individual sport. You're encouraging your teammates. And then third is reinforcing standards, reinforcement, reinforcing this is how we do things here, or this is not how we do things here. And now, you're not going to reinforce to somebody that you don't get along with. You're going to reinforce to your buddy, you know, yeah. but, but those three things informing, reinforcing and, and encouraging are all things anybody can do. So the best teams have people that are constantly verbally leading each other, but also leading themselves by example. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great answer. Um, in um, two of your books, the leadership playbook and um, the building champions uh, book, you do talk about a lot about how coaches set the tone, right? But the best teams are the culture is player driven, right? I think sometimes when there's a top down um, approach and the coach is the thermometer or the thermostat of that team, mm -hmm. right? Um, it, it can carry them so, so far, but when there's a, a, a player driven culture, then they, they can really go far because they're, they're having that unity. Um, what are some ways that players can build unity, um, you know, within each other and how can the coaches foster that kind of be, uh, environment? Yeah. Great question. If a coach isn't fostering it to begin with, then the players, it's going to be really hard for the players to do, to rise above that. Um, and a lot of coaches are way too uh, stuck on they're in charge. I'm in charge. I'm in control. I'm the leader. I'm in a role, I'm in a position, do what I tell you to do. And so they don't actually empower their players or even their assistant coaches for that matter. Good leaders aren't just worried about having complicit followers. You know, it's not just do what I say. Why can't you all just do what you, do what I, do what I tell you to do? And I've been there as a coach, especially early on young. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. You know, I was hired for a reason. 
you know, and especially I'm, I'm 27 years old. I'm one of the youngest head coaches in America at an NCAA school. I'm 27. I'm a head coach. So I've obviously done something right <laughs> to become a head coach. Why don't you listen to me? Well, good leaders don't want compliant followers. They want to develop other leaders and you don't do that without empowering people. So you got to equip them, you know, with the tools necessary as an athlete, but then enhance them, make them better, but then really empower them, empower them to use all those skills, empower them to use their, their, uh, their strengths that they have, you know, empower, you know, G as a tennis player to, to lead his teammates. It's not always, he's just sitting around waiting for a coach to say what we're going to do. I've empowered you and I've empowered your teammates to do what they're supposed to do all the time. That's when you have a great culture is when the coaches are empowering their athletes to be better leaders themselves, because the coach isn't always going to be around and the captain is not always going to be around. There's going to be times when there's three dudes in the back of the bus or in the <laughs> locker room or at a truck stop or a rest area or a restaurant, you know, cafeteria, whatever dorm room, there's going to be three, four guys together and there's not going to be a captain or a coach. So where's the leadership come from now? And if you haven't empowered them to, to be good leaders and taught them how to be good leaders, you know, that's the other thing is we don't teach and develop leadership. And so when these fires break out, these metaphorical fires break out or, or issues or drama happens, you know, we haven't equipped them to know how to use a fire extinguisher to put those out. You know, all they're going to use is like lighter fluid, like it's a barbecue. <laughs> And they're going to make this fire bigger because we haven't equipped them to, to handle it. And then we haven't empowered them to actually say, all right, I have, I have confidence. I can, I can handle this. I can, or I can talk to him. You know, I see what he's doing or she's doing, and it's not what we do here, but I, I'm going to go say something to him. Now I'm going to say it in the right way. I'm going to go over here when it's non-threatening, when I'm not, we're not going to embarrass my teammate. I'm going to go over here and just remind them, of, of how we do things and remind them that what they're doing probably isn't optimal for achieving their, their goals, what they want. But, but it all comes back to the coach has to foster that culture, that atmosphere that we're all in this together. It's just not coach Beckler's team. It's not coach Beckler's vision. It's not coach Beckler's goals. It's all, all of ours. And so, so little things like, all right, some teams have core values, Okay. Some teams have goals. Some teams have whatever. We're going to make a t-shirt with our saying, whatever it is. And a lot of times the coach says, this is what it's going to be. This is what our core values are. This is what, and so it becomes the coach's values, the coach's goals. If you, if you kind of delegate some of that and let your players come up with some of that stuff, rarely are they going to come up with something stupid. <laughs> Almost always they're going to come up with something that's good. Now it might yeah. not be what you would come up with, but man, roll with it you know, go with that because now they're going to buy into it and take ownership into it. So coaches, you have to foster that. And then the players will start to, to start to catch on. They'll start to take ownership in things and be invested in the process. If the coaches not invest or not allowing that, then players are not going to do that on their own. In yeah. fact, if they do it, it's going to be the opposite way. They're going to, uh, rebel against the coach. They're going to have sarcastic or snide remarks. They're just not going to take things seriously because, well, why should I, I'm not in charge or I'm just going to wait for the captains to tell me something. I'm going to wait for the coach to tell me something. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And sometimes for us coaches, it's so hard to let go of 
a little bit, you know, we're like, we always want to have our hand in everything of the program. Um, but um, the opposite is, is correct. Let go of some things, let, let the team take the reins. Cause then there'll be better buy-in from the team. I agree. Well, we're all, we're, we're all in this together and we're all like a coach. The best coaches can't win a championship without their players. <laughs> you know, uh, so we need the players, but then the players need us too, because the players aren't, Everybody needs a coach. You know, Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt have coaches. Yep. You know, everybody needs a coach, but the coaches need players. Yeah, that's um, true. We're all in this together. We're all going on the same bus, the same destination, hopefully. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, your latest book, um, The Bus Trip, is a book that we I read with our team this year. It was the first book we read in the fall. Um, and... It was great. We have a lot of international players. And so the, the lingo you used was very easy for, for us to get the message across the you know, importance of having a good culture. Um, and what I liked about the book is that it wasn't, there wasn't one main character. You know, there were several players, the coach, even the bus, you know, the, the locations were characters in the story. How did you come up with that? And uh, what, what is the mess, the central message that, that you want people to get from that book? Yeah, I appreciate you guys reading it. Thank you for that. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to write a book that I would have used and wanted my players to read. Uh, Cause sometimes your players don't listen to you as a coach all the time because you're telling them all you're telling them things all the time. And so you know, what could I do? What could I put in a player's hands that they could read fairly simply? You yeah. know, I, I like how you said, you know, the lingo was easy to understand. You know, you were being very kind and saying it was a very simple book that, you know, obviously you see, no the message, the message is profound, but it's easy to understand, you know, that's because I'm not a, a genius, you know, some other, the, some, some of these other people, you know, Simon Sinek and some of these guys, James Clear and, and uh, Jim Collins, good to great. Yeah. You know, these guys are way too smart for me. You know, I, I can't read their books. I just read like the chapter headings and the intro yeah. in the back of the book. That's what I read for there. You know, I, my books are going to be simple. But, uh, you know, what I wanted was the players to understand that each one of us has a responsibility as a player to make this culture better, to make this team better, and that I can do something about it. So, yes, there's a coach involved but the coach is neither good nor bad like 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 you you read the coach or you see the coach's yeah. character and there's some things that he does that's flawed and yeah. then there's some things that he does that you can tell he cares i wanted the coach to be human but not a main part of the story i wanted the players to be the people that stood up and said we got to do something better and so for for your listeners that haven't read it there's, there's a number of situations and conversations that happen in a day, in a night on a bus yeah. trip. That's why it's called the bus trip. <laughs> and these conversations happen. And each time they happen, um, a couple players, like a light bulb goes on above their head. They realize that there's something they need to be doing differently, but unbeknownst to them during that conversation is other conversations are going on as well. So they're all having these conversations. They just don't realize others are doing it as well. Um, and, and that's, there's an underline there is sometimes we think, well, I'm just one person. What can I do? Or, you know, well, it doesn't matter if I do what I'm supposed to do. The whole rest of the team is a bunch of idiots or they're not doing what they're supposed to do. 
but sometimes all it takes is one person to step up and, and like in the book, you know, two people essentially stepped up and said, Hey, we want to tell you guys what, what we learned. And then all of a sudden the, uh, everybody else on the team starts <laughs> to say, well, we learned something too. And we learned something too. You never know what that one, you know, trigger is going to be. Yeah. And so that's why you, we should always go around trying to do what we're supposed to do. Martin Luther King says it's always the right time to do the right thing. <laughs> Step up. You know, you're not maybe going to do everything, but you can do something. And so I wanted it to be a simple book where athletes could say, all right, I know how to be a more positive leader. I know how to better be a better teammate after reading this book, or at least some ideas of doing yeah. that. Yeah. I liked, I liked, um, how the, the, the issues that arose, it very relatable, right? As I was a college athlete and it's like, oh yeah, playing time or yes, all, you know, those, those things. And, and you could see some light bulbs in my own players when we had the book discussions, because um, we would read a few chapters and have a little discussion, read a few chapters, have a little discussion. And you could see, and, you know, a lot of the, the, the lessons are things that we say on a regular basis, but when it comes from somebody else, it's like, oh yeah, I should really do this. It's like, okay, at least that's that's why I got the book so that you can can hear it from somebody else, and it's not for me. Same with parents, you know, you you always don't agree with your parents, but somebody else says the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's the best way to do it. Yeah, Uncle Uncle Johnny is always smarter than my parents. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he might say the same exact thing, but he's just smarter. Yes, uh, Jamie, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast. This has been this has been great. How can people find you and and if they want to get in touch with you, how can they, can they do that? Yeah. Well, if you're a twit, the best way is to go on Twitter. Um, I, I, I tend to uh, do a lot of stuff on Twitter. So that's at coach Beckler at coach Beckler. And we try to keep it positive. You're probably not going to know who my favorite team is or what food I ate or where I'm vacationing or who I voted for in an election. Uh, you're pretty much going to get, we're going to try to try to give you positive insights that can help you as a leader or, or to live life in a positive way. But uh, at Coach Beckler, um, and then my website's coachbeckler.com. And so you can find our podcast, our Success is a Choice podcast, and, and our different books. And um, our, the leadershipplaybook.com is our uh, training platform for coaches and teams, the, the leadershipplaybook.com. So uh, all those places. Um, That's great. Thank you so much, Jamie. How, how can we be praying for you? Yeah, I appreciate it. Great question. Um, you know, pretty much the, the, the main thing that I can think of is, you know, as we're doing this work, we're, we're trying to make a change. We're trying to help, you know, one, the next generation of leaders, you know, and, and sometimes I feel like it's kumbaya, like I'm speaking kumbaya <laughs> to coaches, but the, the kids, like, especially if you're a high school coach, but even to you know, to a high school coach, you're raising up the future community members, you know, your community 10 years from now is going to be better or worse based upon the people you're coaching now. But even at the college level, even you at Liberty at the division one, you know, they might not all be going back to Lynchburg, Virginia, you know, when they're done yeah. playing, but they're going to be husbands, they're going to be wives, they're going to be mothers, fathers, business people, educators, leaders somewhere. And so I, once again, this sounds really deep and, you know, kumbaya ish but what we're doing is more than just teaching a sport you know we're helping raise up a next generation of leaders and so I, all that to say just the prayer would be that we are able to continue to do that and continue to make some kind of a difference 
not with everybody, but just with one person here and there and another person here and there. Um, you know, that, that is literally when I, that, I mean, it sounds so corny, but that is a passion of mine. And when I look at Facebook, I look at Twitter and I see some of the, all the negativity that's on there. I'm like, man, if we can just help some people see a different perspective and, and understand other people a little bit better and be able to deal with adversity a little bit better. Maybe, maybe we can do our part to, <laughs> to make the world a little bit better. So, yeah. All right. Let's close out in prayer then. Heavenly father. Thank you so much um, for this conversation with coach Beckler. Thank you for his influence and in, uh, in all the facets of, of his life and all, all the stops that he's had in his career. Lord, uh, help us um, to all stay focused on the mission of helping this next generation to become great um, women, great men um, that, that are leading their communities, they're leading in their jobs, leading their families with, with uh, utmost respect, um, doing the right things. Um, and Lord, hopefully they are doing it for you and, and keeping you in the forefront of all those, those, those areas. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for, for all your blessings and uh, thank you again for this conversation. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. That was uh, so good, Gian. And, and thanks so much for Jamie spending his time with us. I, uh, I love the quote that he shared about just uh, great teams being made up of great teammates. And, and if I'm being honest, uh, I look back on Gian, you're in my career and uh, our team, our team never won a conference championship, wasn't high, high achieving. And I think a big, big problem was for me, I wasn't a great teammate the whole time. Maybe by the end, I started to open my eyes to, to leadership and impacting others. But a lot of it was um, selfishness, keep my scholarship, keep my spot. And uh, for sure, there was a little bit of I want to impact people for Christ and, and impact you guys in a, in a positive way. But there's a lot of just me, me, me. And I think uh, if uh, we could turn things around into the we and, and the team first, I think that would really help our program uh, win a few more matches. Um, I, I, I do agree with you, Chad, but you, you were a good teammate. You taught me how to string rackets. Um, when I came in as a freshman, I was a newbie. I did not know how to string rackets and you took the time to teach me. Um, but I, I do agree. I think we as a, as a unit, those two years that we were together, we, we kind of lacked that, that team oriented mentality where we were really just working for ourselves the majority of the time. Yeah. Um, and that put us at a, at a deficit when we face great teams because we, sh we could have used that unity to, to make the team better than the sum of its parts. But I feel 100%. like towards the end, the towards the end of your or senior year, we, we started bonding a little together. We beat Radford for the first time and that was like their first loss in five years in conference. Yeah. Um, and I think that was because we, we were getting a little bit more united and we were kind of fighting for each other. Um, and then my last two years, I tried to foster a little bit more of that being the team captain, I started bringing more people under my my guidance. Not that I knew a lot, but I knew more than a bunch of the freshmen that were coming in, just showing them a little bit more of what a team meant. And I think we were able to um, accomplish a few better things. Yeah, that uh, good point. And I do think it takes a, a while to kind of uh, change the team culture and get things going in the right direction. Um, and so uh, I'm glad that, that you continue to uh, take the torch and, and move it in the, in the right direction, man. Yeah. And uh, now the men's team just this year, first time winning a, a conference championship for Liberty. Um, I don't want to take any any credit for it, but um, 
the coaches now are building a tremendous culture as well, focusing a lot on uh, the stuff outside the X's and O's, beyond the X's and O's, and really focusing on gratitude and, and hard work. Yeah, really, really good. And, and Jamie's just a master at, at helping teams get to that place where for you and I, it took three, four, five years maybe for a program to, to start turning a corner. And I, I'm sure Jamie could just come and do it in a semester. Yeah. Coach, if you want to check out Jamie, his website is jamiebeckler.com. Um, it's J-A-M-Y-B-E-C-H-L-E-R.com. And his Twitter account is at Coach Beckler. So check him out. Jamie is a could be a tremendous uh, influence on your team, uh, have tremendous impact on developing a strong culture so that you can then just foster it and keep it going. Um, thanks again for Jamie and Coach. Never forget this. The mission field is right where you're at.